I think after we lost John McNulty and uh, Tem Lokabu, most folks were waiting for a new coordinator at each position. Well, folks, you didn't get just two. There are now four coordinators on offense and defense. We're going to get into why this may not be the worst thing in the world um, and why it's it's not as bad. Let's just leave it at that. We'll give you some reasons why this isn't the worst hires the BC could have made. This on today's show. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on BC, I'm your host, AJ Black. Today's episode is about football. Uh, We will not be talking about the Georgia Tech loss because there's so much football to talk about. We'll get into the ACC tournament on tomorrow's show. Today, we got to talk about all these new hires. And going into this hiring season, once we knew that Halfley pulled the trigger and and, uh, got rid of John McNulty and Tem Lokabu went off to the uh, NFL, you were hoping that there was going to be a, a couple of hires that would just make you feel like fe- make give you the feels again for BC football. Didn't really get that from this. And we'll talk about that with Mitch Wolf, who's here right now. Mitch, how's it going? It's going well. I'm excited. There's a lot to dig into. We were kind of talking about this before the show, kind of breaking down all the news we had to get into. Um, so let's let's get into it. So, yeah. I think let's get into it. Let's we're going to start on the we're going to go segment by segment. So first segment's going to be the offense, second segment the defense, and then third segment's everything else. Because I mean, I could probably do two or three shows just on Halfley's press conference because there was a lot to dig into. So let's go with the offense. We now have two offensive. One of them's officially offensive coordinator. The other is the assistant head coach for offense. And the offensive coordinator is going to be Steve Shimko, who was the quarterbacks coach for a while. Uh, a name that we had heard floating around. I mean, neither of these hires are, are really new, but the titles are, are interesting. And Rob Chudzinski, who had been Jeff Halfley's special assistant, is now the offense uh, associate head coach for offense. And as Halfley said in his press conference, he's running the offense. Yeah, I'm, I think this is very interesting. I mean, it, it, just if you look at this semantically, when you go to the website and look at Chudzinski, it's his associate head coach for offense slash offensive development. And then Shimko is offense coordinator slash quarterbacks. Additionally, uh, Daryl Wyatt has added pass game coordinator duties and as addition and additionally to being the wide receivers coach, which is interesting. So we're splitting a lot of responsibility among three guys. I kind of, it seems like everything's going to kind of go up to Chudzinski. It seems like he's going to be the guy calling the plays whereas um, Shimko and Wyatt uh, will be kind of figuring out what the guys do well and what they want to run. And then it's up to Chudzinski to kind of figure out how to distill all that into one cohesive vision and then call the right plays in game, which again, you know, we've, we kind of figure after, after that football scooper where we kind of knew this was coming, it was just a matter of time. Um, and again, we both, I think wanted an outside hire originally for the purposes of getting some fresh eyes in this offense, and that's, you know, one way you can go with things on the other side of the coin, you know, the guys who have all these guys have been in the building, they know these players really well, they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses. And, you know, I, I, I'm very interested to see how this turns out this season. Now, I think the big question is, 
I, I have to look at this and in, in the way that you just broke it down, Mitch, like I, I, I have some severe PTSD with multiple coaches coaching <laughs> offense after watching what the Patriots just did this year. <laughs> that being said, Bill Belichick put a special teams coordinator and a defensive coordinator and had both of them running the deep, the offense completely different. I think that being said, there's a, there's a part of me too, that is still worried that there's too many chefs in the kitchen that, you know, you, for things to work effectively, you want one. I, I feel like it, it's most effective when you have one guy that is the guy. And now we have two to three guys. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I still think Jadzinski's the the one that's going to be in charge for most of it. You know, I mean, the fact that he has this unique title, associate head coach of the offense, is I think that's telling um, that he is the guy that's going to be in charge of again calling the plays and you know making up the game plans on a week to week basis, uh, which I, I think is I think that's the right call. But I, I still like having you know these at least, and I think part of it also was to. I know in Halfley's press conference, he mentioned Shimko getting some NFL calls. So maybe this is one of those things where you throw a coordinator label on him and then he gets a pay bump and that keeps him in house because Halfley wants to keep his guys. Um, and <clears throat> and I, I, I like the idea of having the pass game coordinator and I'm, I'm intrigued that there isn't a run game coordinator. Um, I'm wondering if they might tack that onto Applebaum, but given what we saw from that report from, I believe it was sports illustrated about his time in Miami. I, I doubt it. Um, but I, I'm intrigued to see, you know, again, I, I think this is a very interesting um, scheme they've worked up with in terms of who's doing what. Um, I thought Halfley did actually a pretty decently honest job of actually laying out kind of what each guy's responsibilities are in the press conference. He's pretty open about that. Yep. Um, and one thing that we talked about, and I think that I think fans will be relatively encouraged by this, is that Halfley was very intense during this press conference. He was very, it was very serious. Um, yep. And I think you mentioned it as desperation. I think that that you could call it that, but I, I think it's just, he, he knows that this is time to put up or shut, but he's got a, that he is essentially coaching for his job this season. And yep. he's saying it very seriously. You know, you can see that I, he, you know, he, he's generally good with the media, but I don't want to say he was terse or curt, but he was, you know, he was all business during that media availability. Yeah. I mean, I thought that too. And um, I thought, listening to him. And I think we'll talk more about Halfley's comments in a little bit. I want us to kind of stick with the offense here. Um, one, one thing I, I had in my notes that I wanted to bring up was uh, the title of the press release for this, which is BC finalizes 2023 staff ahead of spring season consistency and personnel, the key to Halfley's new staff. I, that's certainly a choice when you just went three and nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to bash, you know, I work with these folks and I, you know, have to rely on them for information sometimes, but I don't know, man. I don't know why you would post that out to a fan base that just watched your team just play like absolute crap for you. Well, if you think of it this way, you could look at McNulty and DeGuglielmo as kind of the interlopers that were ejected after that terrible season. Now we've gone back to guys that have been in the house the whole time. You bring Applebaum back, you promote guys who, you know, have been there with half. I mean, Wyatt is a relatively new addition, um, but you're promoting guys who've been with Halfley since he came here. So, you know, I think you could kind of turn that on its head a little bit to make it seem like, Oh yeah, we're, we're getting back to our roots, which again, your roots are six to six seasons with, with, you know, mixed results on offense. So, you know, again, there's 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 holes to poke in that argument too, but 
it is interesting because Halfley did mention that he did look for outside candidates. I don't, you know, he said that. I don't know how, you know, seriously he did that. I don't know how, you know, deep into his Rolodex of coaching uh, networking he did in terms of how, who he was looking for. But, you know, I think he did explore outside hires and maybe at the end of the day, you know, he talked, he mentioned a lot about how, especially Christian Mahogany and some of the offense, other offensive linemen wanted Applebaum back. And, you know, it kind of makes me think, did he, you know, listen to the players more this time and say like, Hey, like, you know, we like the coaches we have, we want to see them stick around. We don't really want to deal with somebody else coming in. And this is something he mentioned more with the defense, but he didn't want to be bringing somebody else in and trying to, you know, kind of get them up to speed with this team. And, and, you know, maybe for a guy that is like, we think is kind of on the hot seat going to the season, you know, maybe he was just like, he just thought, I don't want to introduce that, that variable. We have to get this guy caught up with our guys. Let's just stick with the guys we know. Then we don't have to have this adjustment period where these guys have to learn how this guy coaches these. This coach has to learn how these guys have to be coached. So, you know, I, I, I see the point. You know, we'll see how the results play out in the season. Now, there in a moment, we're going to get into the defense. And there's two new coordinators there. But more importantly, there's another coach that's going to have a much bigger role on the defense, according to him. We'll get into that in just a moment. Now, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me and you're getting ready for St. Patrick's Day, you, you know, you're going to have a little extra calories uh, with a little bit of that liquid diet. So you want to make sure that you're eating healthy around that. So that's why you got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious and they're so good for you. It's perfect for those mid March diets. What makes built bars so good? Well, for starters, they're hundred percent covered in real chocolate. I'm telling you real chocolate and the flavors are delicious, including churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how they do it, but they only have 130 calories, four grams of sugar and 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to just go to get wait around to get a box. You can go to Sam's club or Walmart. They have them right there. You just walk right over to the pharmacy section. You can get them or you can head over to built.com and use promo code lock 15. Again, head on over to those two uh, shops, Walmart or Sam's club, or go to built.com to get your box of built today. This is Locked on BC, AJ Black, and we are talking about the defense now. We talked about the offense. I mean, there is so much change going on with BC. And and someone just tweeted me, um, just press the bubble and everyone gets a new job. And, <laughs> and they have a picture of the, tr- the trouble game. But the defense has some new names. Um, one of them I have been telling you all along, is an, if you've been following on Eagle Insider, uh, it is a name that we knew was going to be there. It was Zara Abdul-Rahim is going to be a d- uh, defensive coordinator. And also Sean Duggan, who is a linebackers coach, is also going to be a defensive coordinator. Mitch, let's just talk about those two. There's two other pieces of defensive news we'll get into in just a moment. But let's talk about what your thoughts are on those two hires. I think promoting Azar is the very logical choice. Uh, he's you know one of the team's biggest recruiters. He's been a coordinator before. Uh, he's been on a lot of really good staffs across college football. And frankly, I think that if he didn't get this promotion, he was probably going to go be a coordinator somewhere else. Um, in terms of Duggan, you know, he's a BC guy He played for BC a while ago. Um, he's been with Halfley for a decent amount of time. Um, you know, he's kind of one of those rapidly rising names in college football. I think it'll be interesting to see if this season goes well, I I wonder, you know, how 
how fast this trajectory is going to be for Duggan. You know, it'd be, it'd be cool to see him kind of be another Anthony Campanile where, you know, he kind of rockets up the, uh, the standings of, of uh, positional coaches and coordinators. But again, this, this kind of makes sense. I have to imagine um, Duggan is going to be more of the run def- if, if if you can call it that a, the run defense coordinator. I know some teams have defensive run game coordinators um, as he's more of the front seven coach. And then, Azar will be more of the back seven or secondary coach will be, you know, dis, uh, designing coverages and all that. Uh, so, you know, again, like I, I don't, I think because of the lateness of this, of Lukaboo leaving for the Panthers, you probably again, didn't want to be, you know, bringing in a guy. And this is where Halfley especially said this. He said they didn't want to bring in somebody and have to explain their scheme to them. And then, you know, kind of have this extra level of translation. They figured let's just promote the guys who know the scheme, who know what we're doing. And that will, that'll make us a better team. And I think on the defense, given the timing of all this, I think that that makes probably more sense than it does for the offense, especially given the fact that the defense was slightly better over the last over during the course of Halfley's tenure, at least more consistent. Um, So I I think I get this one a little more. And I think one other piece I want to add to this, you, you you did an excellent job of just breaking that down. Um, I thought he gave some really good context on Lokobu's, Lokobo leaving, and I, I honestly don't think it's halfway blowing smoke. I think it's truth, is that he just wanted to get back to the NFL. And mm-hmm. you've heard, we've seen a lot and heard a lot about coaches getting burnt out in college because of all the recruiting and just the nonstop grind. And that honestly, the NFL is a little bit of an easier schedule for them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that made a lot of sense. I don't know if you, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that there's, I think some of those concerns about the coach burnout has been having a little, little overblown. I know um, some of the, I think, I think Bud Elliott has talked about that a little bit. He's yeah, I saw him say yeah. That. Uh, but I think the other part, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast is that the Panthers put together an all-star staff and a lot of guys made relatively lateral moves. And I think the reason for that is because the Panthers were just throwing out exorbitant amounts of money to get coaches in that building. So I'm sure, you know, Luke Abu came to half and said, Hey, the Panthers are throwing the bag at me and I just get, I don't, I don't have to worry about recruiting. I just get to coach football. And he's like, listen, dude, I get it. Go, go be great. You know? So yep. I, I have to respect Luke Abu getting out there. And, you know, again, I think that that's great for him because he'll be working under a Evero, who's a rising star uh, as a defensive candidate and another, uh, another black coordinator, which, you know, the NFL is struggling to get those guys into bigger positions. So I think that this could be really good for Luke Abu's career in the long run. And so there's two other coaching moves that I think are important. Uh, the first one we'll talk about is Paul Rhodes, uh, which was, I think, the biggest surprise. I know the Heights kind of jumped the gun and said he was the new defensive coordinator, and I was able to talk to BC, and they're like, yeah, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to be the outside linebackers coach. Um, I mean, anytime you bring in a coach that has head coaching uh, chops, and I, I know he wasn't that great at Iowa State, but if I remember correctly, Iowa State had some pretty decent defenses. Yeah. And this was, and uh, you know, Matt Campbell has kind of raised the profile of Iowa state to where even now, now the expectations exceed what even Matt Campbell can do, because I mean, for the longest time, Iowa state was an absolute dumpster fire of a program. And now they're a pretty consistently decently respected program. And, you know, again, Rhodes had a first, he, I looked at about, he had a, he had a few good seasons to begin, then it kind of fell off. Um, but I find the designation of outside linebackers very interesting because in the first few years of this team, Halfley's been relatively married to a, a four, three front in, you know, translating that over to nickel four, two, whatever you would have you. Um, 
so there isn't a ton of distinction between your outside backers and your inside backers. You're essentially everybody's just an off ball linebacker, but I find it interesting that Halfley mentioned in his press conference, you know, doing some more stuff with three down linemen using a nickel Sam. So you're going to see, you know, guys that are more linebacker bodies being out in the slot. So I'm also wondering if this translates to BC, just using more three, four fronts in general. You know, I think that given the fact that the entire defensive line did a lot of beefing up, or at least, at least according to the spring roster that, you're going to see a lot more odd fronts, three down linemen fronts where the defensive line are asked to essentially do more, do more two gapping. And they have a lot more responsibility to hold the line in run defense. Um, and that allows the line, the more inside linebackers to flow more freely. So uh, I, I think that on the back end, BC is going to look pretty similar to what they've been doing the last few years. I think if anything, they're going to be even more single high reliant, but I think on the front and, you know, in kind of the middle area, the linebacker, overhang slot area i think we're gonna see them do a lot of different and interesting things which i'm excited to look i'm really looking forward to that i i, I don't see anything wrong with this hire um, no I think, I, absolutely not no 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 i think this is a good one and and i know folks have been wondering like what what was going to be the change azar is sticking with the secondary which i think was people were wondering if he was going to be the D, dc if he was going to lose that j- title he's not now the last coaching change was actually not something that you saw on paper but it was mentioned in Jeff Halfley's press conference when he said, I'm taking a bigger. So he, first of all, said basically that he's done with dealing with the offense. It sounded like, um, am I right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It sounds like Chud Chudzinski's basically the guy. For Chuds and shimmy. Chud, Chud shimmy is, or was that was called shimmy chatter? Yeah. Chud, Chud, Chud shimmy. Yeah. I'm not going to be going down that road. <laughs> um, but he, he also said, I, Halfway said, I'm taking a bigger role with this defense. What did that mean to you? I think, I think I, I would be very interested and I'm sure he wouldn't give me a straight answer, but you know, off the record, I'd be very interested to ask Halfway, like kind of what his involvements were a year to year on either side of the ball. But for this year, in terms of his great involvement on the defense, this kind of plays into them, as I said earlier, playing more single high. Um, if you look at when he was the coordinator for Ohio state in 2019, they used a very unorthodox defense in that they, and it worked really well because they had such great personnel that they were able to, <clears throat> excuse me, remain with a four, three in the box, but, and they had three corners on the field and they played single high all the time, partially because they had Jordan Fuller at free safety, who is a great, a very good safety for the Rams now. And then their corners were, um, uh, Sean Wade, Jeff Akuda and Damon Arnett, all of whom are NFL players. So, You know, they had this great, had this, they were able to to have this great scheme because they had great players. Now I'm kind of wondering, and based on the bodies they brought in, the the kind of new titles and what Jeff Halfley has said, I I think that because he is getting more involved, I think on the, like I said, on the back end, you're going to see even in BC was already one of the most single high teams in college football. So I'm wondering if he's going to be even more aggressive with that, where you are going to only have five to six normal traditional box bodies in terms of defensive line and linebackers, but you'll have guys like Kari Johnson and um, even guys like Sione Hala, Bryce Steele and Jalen Blackwell being those slot overhangs of guys that can get into the box quickly from the slot and overhang area. So I think, I, I guess you could say that he is going to be more aggressive with this defense in terms of trying to dictate and confuse the tone of the game to the offense by being more, formationally and personnel, at least alignment diverse. 
All right. All right. Yeah. I, I was, I was curious. Cause I, it just seemed like it's, it seems like he's just going to be, I don't want to say like the facto DC. Cause obviously that's going to probably be Izar, but I wonder how much that role is going to like, how much Azar is going to have halfly kind of calling shots over him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly how play calling is going to break down. Um, it, it's especially weird given that you do have those co-DCs and you have a guy with Paul Rhodes now who has extensive experience as a DC and a head coach. And then, of course, you have Jeff Halfley. So I'm not sure exactly who's going to be the defensive play caller. I, I wonder if because of that involvement, you're going to see Halfley do that and you're going to see essentially the other guys kind of put the game plan together. Yep. Or it could be the way around. Um, so we'll, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, in our final segment... I mean, this is this. We're not even close to being done. There was all sorts of other things that were brought up during, um, during the press conference, the roster that came out, Mitch has already brought up some other things. We're going to get into all those little nooks and crannies in just a moment. Locked on BC. This is AJ black. I am the editor and publisher of Eagle Insiders. Mitch is my staff writer. And right now, if you have not done so, we have a spring practice sale on Eagle Insider, 50% off a season, uh, a year-long pass. Basically, you're paying less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks to get full Eagles uh, insight. I have uh, interviews with probably 50 to 60% of the recruits that were on campus this Friday. Um, I have a big board of all the recruits they're going after. These are all source stuff. This is not just me winging it. We have Mitch doing film analysis. We have everything. I'm telling you, we are the top. We are the elite level of BC coverage, and you can join in right now. Make sure you head over to Eagle Insider and sign up. All right, so Mitch, let's look at some of the other things that popped up. I want to get into quickly. We'll just talk about this briefly. The roster changes. There was a few names that were left off, and there was a big one that I was surprised about, which was Jalen Gill, wide receiver. We I had talked to a source earlier in the summer, uh, in the winter, uh, someone close to Jalen, who had said they had not, they were not sure what he was going to do yet, and I was hoping he'd be back because I thought he was a good player. You know, I he wasn't utilized totally as well as I thought he could have been, but. Who was last I'm gonna year? Say somewhat not his fault. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like he's gone. Um, and then the other names that were gone, uh, Finn Durstein, who we saw start till he got hurt. Um, but well, what, was he three out for games? Three? No, he played like he started like three games. Three games, maybe. Okay, maybe yeah. four. I think he started four because then he got hurt during Florida I, State. I, I totally lost track of who played when. For that offense, that's line. fair. But, <laughs> and again, but, something halfly harped upon in the press conference saying, like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to not having to be cycling through different starting combinations on the line every week. And, yeah, and that was another thing I, th- I want we'll talk about in a second is his comments of the offensive line, which I thought people couldn't actually breathe about. I thought mm-hmm. it was good. Uh Spencer Witter, who I thought would be probably one of the top three or four tight ends on the team, is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I he didn't do much last year, but I think he was hurt, so I didn't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. And then uh, Blair and Rostemi, who didn't really play. I don't think, uh, I think, I think he played. I would be shocked if, if you told me he played 10 snaps of offensive, actual offense, not just special teams. I'd be pretty surprised. Um, so, but all these guys are, well, I guess Jalen isn't, but the rest of them are Adazio era guys who have just been there for a while and not really meaningfully contributing. Um, you know, Durstein did finally get some reps, but I mean, he was fine, but not nothing, you know, ex- exceptional to write home about um but given the rest of the offensive line and who they had they're like listen like you know this is i think it would have been his sixth season so maybe he was just 
you know, football isn't for me. I'm, I'm hanging it up. And then with Gil, I, I'm definitely just disappointed that Gil isn't coming back. I'm not sure if he's hitting the portal and going somewhere else or if he's also hanging it up. Uh, but I was looking forward to having him as a kind of reliable number two or maybe number three wide receiver on this offense. Uh, so that is disappointing that he'll be gone. Um, but I think this gives the chance for a lot of the younger guys Dino, to get, you know, Tomlin, I'm, I look forward to see what he, can yeah. Do you know, Tomlin, I mean, Lewis bond had some nice flashes early in the year. Uh, if Jane Williams can get back on, uh, get back on the, out of the doghouse this season, you know, I think that would be really, that'd be really helpful. And, you know, I, I think I, I'm, I'm gonna eventually going to write about this in kind of an, an overview of what I expect this offense to be, but a big part of this offense is there's only going to be two wide receivers on the field. And that's going to be Ryan O'Keefe and Joseph Griffin. And yeah. those guys fit into those, you know, very traditional X and Z uh, or split end and flanker. If you're older, um, th- they fit those, tr- those traditional roles very well. I think you're going to see a lot more two tight end, maybe even some two running back sets from this offense. Um, so that, that having that third wide receiver be a competition be- or a split between Williams, Tomlin bond, even Taji Johnson, if they want to go heavy um, or, you know, maybe even one of the younger guys like Ish Samore or Jaden Skeet. So, you know, not, not terrible losses, but I, I am disappointed to see Gil not return. And then the big return actually happened. Uh, we saw Christian Mahogany for the first time this spring. He actually talked to the reporters. Uh, Halfley says he's not a hundred percent yet. He's not uh, fully practicing yet. He's doing individual stuff, working in film, doing all that good stuff. As he said, Mahogany's been a big deal. And obviously, he he has a similar story to Zay Flowers in this offseason as an, other teams were trying to poach him. The NFL was trying to get him. Um, he also mentioned Donovan Nazaraku was another name. And I've, I'd, I'd heard um, some, uh, some schools, some of the bigger schools, trying to poach him too. Uh, but Mahogany's staying for another year. And um, I, he, just like Zay, I love listening to Christian talk. I know we've had him on our show and he, he might even be out in the comment section right now. Cause he, he seems to, to kind of, uh, park himself in some of our comment sections, but, um, I think he's going to be such a huge factor this year. Yeah. And this was another big thing that Halfley harped on is, you know, obviously last year, the offensive line was terrible. You had all these guys cycling in and out, but that does pay dividends the next year, because now if one guy goes down, you have a lot of options of guys who can play and you have a lot better competition. So, you know, with this, with Durstein gone now, there isn't as big of a competition, but you expect Kyle Hurdle to start at left guard, but you have guys like Conley, like Otto Hess, who got some, or even like Alec and Jackson Ness, who got some playing time, you know, could compete. Even guys like Jude Bowery, who played a little who, bit of tackle. Who's up over 300 pounds now. He put yes, on like very good to see. Um, and then right tackle, I, I think they kind of expect Logan Taylor to start, given that uh, Kevin Klein's probably still going to be recovering from that. Uh, ACL tear he suffered early in the season but you know if he's struggling you can turn to guys like Bowery um, I'm not sure of the other guys who might kick out there I'm not sure about their ability to play tackle but um, you know if if later in the season if Klein is healthy then maybe you know he has some good competition with Taylor but you know now you've got depth at pretty much every position where if one of those guys goes down you can plug in a guy who has played a good bit and if the rest of the offensive line is better around them, namely with Christian Mahogany back, you know, you know, besides him, you've got uh, Kendall and Ozzy Trapillo, you know, returning starters who played most of last year. You've got guys around them that are experienced and they can say like, Hey, like we can help you out because the rest of us 
have at least some semblance of knowing what we're doing, which was not as much the case last year. And now when we were looking and we have to kind of wrap things up soon, um, I've been told that to keep this under 30 minutes or I get yelled at, um, is looking at the weights and you had meant, we had mentioned with, um, uh, Jude Bowery that he's up over 30 pounds, but it, it was across the board. You had kind of alluded to it with the defense, but I don't know what Phil Matus was doing in the, the weight rooms with these guys, but it sounds like a lot of guys put on some, and, and Halfley mentioned it during his press conference. They got big. Yeah. And that, that goes back to, and this is again, something that Halfley repeatedly mentions that this year, they really want to run the ball better. And that was something they obviously were the worst at last year. And I think that given Rob Chinsky's history in the, in the NFL and his coach, the way he coaches and calls an offense, given again, the fact that they're going to be using heavier personnel in groups, 12, 13, 21, 22, even, I think you're going to see this team have a real strong commitment to run the ball, which that ideally should help take some of the pressure off Moorhead's plate and allow him to operate the offense in a more balanced and efficient manner. All right, Mitch, while I have you, we have a minute and a half left. Thoughts on Zay Flowers and the, and the combine. Go ahead. Solid combine. Uh, good numbers. I, I think I know Zay would probably be disappointed that he didn't crack four threes, but four, four, two was still pretty good. It was the ninth fastest time uh, of the wide receivers, at the combine jumps were better than I expected. Pretty solid. 35.5 in the vert, 10 foot seven in the broad, uh, pretty good numbers across the board, you know, about average for the group. Um, but you know, solid looked really good in positional drills. Uh, I think he caught every, or he, I think he dropped one pass in the gauntlet, but caught every other pass. Unfortunately he had to work with the worst group of quarterbacks uh, there at the combine this year. And all of reports indicate that he was great in the interviews. So I, I don't, I'm not sure he's gonna be able to get the wide receiver one, but I think that this helped lock him in as a first round pick in the coming draft. All right, Mitch, we got to head out. So where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E on Twitter. Uh, now that we're kind of into this uh, dead space between now and the pro day, um, I'll be having an article come out soon about where, which teams Zay fits best on um, and which teams I think could take him now, essentially only in the first round. Um, and then as we get deeper into the spring, uh, especially once we see the spring game, I'll have some more predictions about what I expect this uh, offense to look like in the 2023 season. So, okay. Um, and just in terms of where we're at, BC football is off practice until the 14th. I think they're on spring break right now. So news will be a little bit quieter, but on tomorrow's show, I will be jumping in to talk about BC basketball again, as they prepare for the ACC tournament in a um, rather easy uh, road. I think that they drew um, in that tournament. We'll look at some of the other news going around in terms of BC football, in terms of recruiting. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to our page. Thank you all for listening. For Mitch Wolf, this is AJ Black. Follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. We'll see you again soon. Take care.